Welcome to Not Another Football Podcast, the football podcast by fans for fans. What's going on, everybody? We're your hosts, Greg Curtis and Mike Champagne, and this is episode 24. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? You know, I'm fantastic. I feel really good today. Feeling good. Just like I should. That's a really good song. It's a great song. We were a karaoke duo back in the day. Man, the what was it? El Cortez. Before El it got Cortez. Shut down. Yeah. Uh, oh, good nights of karaoke there. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. Uh, pity. Not surprised though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, karaoke was their claim to fame. Yeah. So, Mike. Today is the last episode of the 2020 NFL season. What a fun season it was. Kind of ended on a uh, a low note, depending on actually pretty much anyone who's not a Bucks fan. It, <laughs> it, uh, it, it, it The season kind of ended poorly. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, but I think that uh, it was it was pretty evident that defense won the day. And the quality of offensive line is just so, so critical to a championship caliber offense. Take that skills players. (laughs) But before we get too much into talking about the Super Bowl jumping ahead, I'm excited. um, What can I say? I wasn't excited for the game, but I'm excited to talk about it. No, I I agree. But uh, just want to, just want to thank everyone for listening and staying with us this year. It's been, it's been really fun. Mike and I have had so much fun doing this podcast we've Mm. talked about it for years now and it feels good to to finally get it out there and and do it consistently and and make it through an entire season which honestly at the beginning of it we weren't even sure how many games were going to be played if if the season was even going to happen so the fact that we made it through all 18 weeks plus the playoffs and finished finished the Super Bowl I mean that's a really good feeling it, it really is. And and I have to say, Greg, thank you so much for all of your hard work and dedication in, in editing all of this and, and putting it together, really, and, and taking the time to to keep me in, in line and, and on time. So it's it's been it's been nothing short of, of extraordinary. So I'm very excited uh, to wrap this this season up and to, to look forward to 2021. Yeah, and you know, obviously, we want to we want to thank Cam and JP for coming on the podcast and yep. and hoping to have more additions to that. Uh, guest roster next year exactly so we will be having a couple episodes during the off season to talk about some of the big things like uh, free agency the draft the combine things are going to look a little bit weird during this off season just because of covid and the protocols and some things aren't even out yet and the structure of how the combine is completely changed so Follow us on social if you're not. That's where we're going to be posting, you know, when what episodes are coming out, when we're having them. So stay tuned. And uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into the show. Let's do it. So, Mike, let's start with the 2020 NFL awards. Uh, Let's start with the big one, the MVP. Both of us during during the year um, pretty much had this one picked out. I think a lot of people did. It came as no surprise. And that was Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's just been playing in such a phenomenal level uh, these last couple of seasons. And it's, it's nice to see him recognized in in that sense. Um, You know, 
it's unfortunate that they they fell a little short uh, this year. But I mean, hey, uh, it, this was a, a another great great year for him uh, statistically. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here um, and what the future holds. But yeah, I, I thought it was it was very well deserved. Did you have any any notes or, or, or takeaways from from that? I'm right there with you, and it will be interesting to see what they do this off season if they give him any any other pieces or any weapons to round that out. Uh, I know uh, Aaron Jones is a free agent, so we'll see if they bring him back. AJ Dillon mm-hmm. looked like he had a pretty strong performance towards the end of the year. So, I mean, they have a, another running back uh, waiting. So, yeah, you may lose running back. I'm interested to see what they do if one, it's anything one, like one A or one B. Yeah, I mean, if if anything is showed uh, in Green Bay, they uh, they they don't do much offensively for Aaron Rodgers. So I think, you know, I think we'll go into next season as the reigning MVP and continuing to struggle, and probably the same storylines going into next year. But you can't take away anything from his performance this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think they're a dark horse candidate to go after some offensive line talent this offseason, uh, some in in free agency. Yeah, definitely. That would, yeah, that would help. Or as everyone wants to say, just give him a new, uh, just give him some new wide receivers and he'll be unstoppable according to the media. So next up we had defensive player of the year. And that one was Aaron Donald. I know when we talked about it, he wasn't one of our picks, even though he is there every single year as one of like the top three or four finalists for that. I know JJ Watt got, got a little salty on Twitter with that post about um, the comparison between his brother, TJ Watt and Aaron Donald and how TJ beat him in every statistical category. But yeah, here's what I'll say. Again. Yeah. I mean, what I'll say on that is it's comparing apples to oranges. I know obviously yeah. they're both defenders, but playing D tackle versus playing the edge is is completely different in how Aaron or yeah, Aaron Donald completely disrupts games and, and destroys O-lineman and gets to the quarterback and just he's the ultimate game disruptor not taking here's anything the, away from TJ Watt absolutely but the testament is that TJ Watt compared himself to Donald and was only beating him by a couple of of more of all of these things when his position is specifically for those things like fumbles and fumble work you know it, so it's 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 incredible that uh and, and to your point that you know, the, it's it's almost like you're you're proving the you're proving the argument in an, in and of itself when you're when you're posting stats like that. Yeah, I mean, go back. But besides Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. when was the last time an interior D lineman led the league in sacks? Yeah, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's either. been a while because it's always it, it always seems like it's edge rushers, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the fact that he. The fact that he was only what a one and a half or two sacks behind TJ Watt for the year, I'm like, yeah, that's incredible. It's Athletic way more impressive to me. Freak. Yeah, and and let's be honest, there's no way JJ Watt would be saying that if TJ Watt wasn't his brother. So like, I get it. You're standing up for your brother. I understand that, yeah. but you know, take take a seat on this one, big guy. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So next one. We have Offensive Rookie of the Year. This one didn't really come as a surprise to us, even though both of us had Justin Jefferson winning. So the winner was Justin Herbert. I think the biggest surprise to me came with the voting on it. I think it was like 
41 to nine or 42 to nine or something like that. Like it was, it was such a bigger gap than I thought it would be. Are you surprised by that? I got yes. Yes. And no. Yes. Because, you know, I thought Justin Jefferson played well enough to overcome the kind of quarterback bias that exists, but I think this sort of this, the inequity in that just redoubled my belief in the, in the absolute bias towards quarterbacks and in, in voting like that. And, you know, nothing against voters for the Heisman or things like that, but that's just, it's, it's the same way uh, there. I mean, everyone was freaking out that a wide receiver won it this year. And it's just, it's because it's been the same for so long. Yeah. And I, I mean, not to take anything away from Herbert, the, the, no, of course not. He played fantastic, excited for him, excited for them. He he, he has tons of potential. Yeah. And honestly, the way he was thrusted into this season, it was just like that in itself was extremely remarkable for him to do. And, and the fact that he was able to put up those numbers against, I mean, played against his chiefs in his starting in his first start ever, but suspect suspect coaching. Man, it's it's uh, good for him. The Chargers have themselves another franchise quarterback, which is great. Yep, that's the one thing you can't succeed in the NFL with without. So, kudos to them. Great pick. So, moving on to defensive player of the year or defensive rookie of the year, it was Chase Young. This is another one that we both kind of figured would happen. You actually had him as your defensive rookie of the year. So why don't you kind of talk about that? I mean, he's just been so disruptive. And in in I think I guess if I'm looking, if I'm objectively looking at the NFL season this this past year, the most compelling storyline has been Washington. The all of the controversy that they've gone through, the name change, uh, the turnover with their with their coaching staff and with their ownership and the all the allegations that were coming out on everything. And for them to, to bring in such a, a, a game changer like Rivera, who I, who is so esteemed and respected and to have him beat, like go through awful treatments and, and beat cancer and, and coach and develop this team in the way that, that he did and have this incredible rookie phenom just explode out of the gate. And there's no, I could think of no better coach to cultivate like a young, a young star and, and looking at the way that the team handled so many other situations differently than their past regimes had, I think it established the right culture and provided chase young, really a, a framework for, for success. So uh, that being said, I think the stats speak for themselves and, and his ability to disrupt games at such a young age is so fascinating. I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see, to see how he grows. So for me, it's, it's, it's really no surprise. What about you? I know you, you didn't have him, but in, you, you suspected him. So what, what about this is, is at least unsurprising to you. I think it's really surprising that he made captain as a rookie. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how often rookies are captains, but to become a captain on that defensive line when they are so deep and they have so All many those first veterans, round picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that right there just speaks volumes on what people thought of him. And he's not just a high draft pick where it's like, yep. let's just throw the the C on his chest and, and call it a day. Like, I'm sorry, you're, yeah. you're playing with, with men. And like, that's, I mean, in high school, it's, it's such a, I'm sorry, but it's such a vanity title to give people. It's, it yeah. sometimes becomes the most popular. It's we switched not it every like game. That. We never had yeah. a set captain. We had like position yeah, leaders, or, but not you like, have that. Yeah. So the fact that he won that 
uh, amongst NFL players and mm-hmm. on that defense where everyone talks about that defense. It, it's surprising. It. I'm just going to go ahead and say this, and it may come as a surprise to it, some it was, people. It was, close. it was a very close. Uh, I think there were a lot of other candidates that were excellent as well. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it was a, a landslide like it was it. for offensive rookie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but so, continue. This may come as a surprise to some people, but I'm going to go ahead and just give, uh, just take the next 30 seconds and just say, put some respect if you haven't on Ohio State program. <laughs> the fact okay. that in the last five years, five rookie of the years have come from Ohio State is incredible you have both bosa brothers joey and nick you had michael thomas and then now you have um chase young so incredible. once again i'm sorry for all those people who think michigan should be in the same breath and category as ohio state this is coming from a michigan fan i'm sorry we're not <laughs> it's just we don't put out players like that so kudos to them they are they're a factory you know, it's interesting you say that. And so I would consider that like remarkable that, that they were. And you look at their draft capital they've had over the last couple of years. And I would consider that remarkable and consider them a powerhouse program and, and would agree with you that they should that Michigan should be in the same breath as them of late. Um, and, and that's why I think it, it was hilarious that Penn State had a tweet saying that they've been in every Super Bowl uh, represented in every in every Super Bowl. And Nittany Lion is represented in every Super Bowl except for like a couple and it was just the fact that they made a graphic about it and i just think that there's such a disparity between the to what you're saying and and that and i just think it's hilarious i think that's funny i wanted to bring that up yeah and you know i i I saw the same thing and you see it every year where it's like um the number of schools that have represented in the super bowl and i think michigan this year had like five or six obviously with tom brady being the the main one but it, I think it's cool in the fact that it shows how many players come from the universities. But, I mean, at the same time, I'm like, I think there's a difference between just players making the game and star players that universities yeah. produce. And, yeah. and when you think of these top players nowadays, I mean, I'm sorry, like the big, one, the big schools that come to mind are Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and... LSU like those are the top four or five that you hear nowadays Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so anyways enough enough love for Ohio State (laughs) comeback player of the year so in the beginning of the year I think you and I both thought it was going to be Ben Roethlisberger uh yeah until Alex Smith got a chance to start and I feel like no matter how bad he played the fact that he even came back, played, took his team to the playoffs. It was just like, I'm sorry, that's a wrap for anyone. Yep, um, absolutely. And actually, I can't forget Cam Newton. The first four games when we did our very first, you know, quarter season awards, I think mm-hmm. JP might have had him in there as well, or one of us did because he was playing pretty well. Yeah. But yeah. I'm sorry, Alex Smith came back from a, a horrendous injury where it looked like he was never going to play again, almost lost his leg. And didn't even matter. Led- did not matter. No, and he led his team to the freaking playoffs. So I'm like, it, there's nothing more you can say about that. Like, that's just awesome. And um, Help turn a franchise around. What an amazing story. Like, that's just yeah. awesome. Yeah, truly. 
So lastly, we have actually, no, there are two more. My bad. Um, next up, we have coach of the year. I think this one was pretty easy. It was uh, STEM, uh, yeah, Kevin Stefanski of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, does that come as a surprise to you at all? No, uh, I think I said as we were we were getting on here, anyone who can take the Browns and, and get them a positive uh, season deserves this award. But uh, in no, truly, I think that that he has made great efforts and strides really to change not only the the culture of the, of the organization and just the way that the, the players carry themselves um, in the locker room and um, in, in in public, but I think that it's it's truly been uh, invigorating to watch uh, them. Just like play with some spunk and, and heart that's not just negative as it, as it was the last couple of years when they were just flailing and didn't really have that leadership role uh, with anyone who who had who, they didn't have a head coach really. Uh, Kitchens I think did did so much more damage than good there. But what about you? Were you surprised at all? I mean, we I know we didn't have him as our coach of the year, but I think that he was always going to be a close second with what he he did there with the program. He was he was more of a default one. I, I remember I couldn't really think of anyone off the top of my head because I know I wanted to go different than you. Uh, yeah. So I chose him kind of by default. And uh, but I'll still take credit on that one. And for every for all the reasons that you just said, the fact that you got the Browns to double digit wins and you took them to the playoffs. Yeah, that's just impressive. Yeah. When you think of how that organization has been uh, historically and recently. Yep. yep. What was it? Oh, and 16, two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago whatever yeah yeah you went from johnny johnny football to you know uh the divisional round in the yeah. playoffs yeah to being competitive for the division too would you look at that yeah wow we thought we'd be here yeah so last up we have the walter payton man of the year award this one is is awesome and special to us and we're going to take a little bit more time to talk about this one because each year during or each week during the regular season mike and i talked about um, and spotlighted players who gave back and spent time um, within their communities and speaking up about social injustices and, and every, everything that this year and um, things that are just kind of close to them. You had breast cancer awareness, you have people with mental health. Um, Like I said, we had people with social injustice, uh, kept Travis Kelsey with, with STEM. So uh, during the Super Bowl that night, it came out and, Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, won this year's Walter Payton Man of the Year. So Mike and I will just kind of read a little bit from the NFL.com slash Man of the Year website and just kind of give you some background on why he won the award this year. The title of this is Demonstrates Dedication and Commitment to Community Efforts This Year. Among the legions of heroes who have responded to the adversities created by COVID-19, Russell focused his energy towards supporting those of greatest need. In addition to continuing his long-standing community products and newer initiatives, Russell addressed the pandemic's fallout by comforting a most basic human need, food security. In direct response to the increased challenges families experience as a result of COVID-19, Russell focused on how children, families, and the elderly were losing access to food because of the lost jobs, reduced wages, and school and closed schools. Statistics also reveal that people of color were disproportionately affected by these challenges. This truth led Russell and Sierra Wilson to make a personal donation of 1 million meals to Feeding America, the largest hunger relief organization in the United States. Russell also partnered with aviation company Wheels Up to create Meals Up 
to help support the growing levels of food insecurity during the COVID-19 crisis. The effort has already raised and inspired the equivalent of more than 47 million meals for Feeding America. Through his Why Not You Foundation, Russell partnered with United Way Worldwide, Rockefeller Foundation, and DoorDash to expand Ride United to have food and supplies delivered to vulnerable populations in 175 counties in the United States. Since the program's launch in April, more than 1 million deliveries have been made. The Seattle program, non-existent before this year, has become the pilot program for a model used across the country. Through a partnership with Safeway, Albertsons, um, the program has expanded beyond food banks to grocery stores. Due partly to this innovation, Seattle will soon become the region that distributes the highest number of food boxes. The isolation caused by the pandemic exposed the inequities and injustices people of color experience at levels never seen before. Russell wanted to bring awareness to racial injustices and encourage everyone to be part of positive change that they wanted to see. In June, Russell captivated the sports world in his moving and inspiring words to open the 2020 ESPY Awards. Along with his plea for the end of systemic racism, Russell and Sierra placed out-of-home billboards and digital message boards in communities across the country reading, Black Lives Matter, Love Russell and Sierra. Russell recognized the importance of voting, especially among young people and communities of color. He and Sierra partnered with the campaign I Am a Voter to communicate to NFL fans the importance of registering to vote. He was instrumental in bringing the campaign to NFL players, coaches, and staff across the league, including 100% participation by the Seahawks organization. Despite the pandemic, Russell has continued his weekly visits to patients at Seattle's Children's Hospital with virtual visits. Russell's latest community partnership is the launch of the Why Not You Academy. Opening in the fall of 2021, the school reimagines public education by co-constructing an innovative network of mentorship-based deeper learning schools with the communities they serve. I think I think that's that's really nice to take time to to read directly from the NFL and the way that they that they put the impact that Russell's had on the community and the causes which he supported and and has tried to bring light to and I think it's an important note um, that in 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 today's day and age as we all work to better the world hopefully. Uh, giving support to these organizations can come in many different many different forms. It doesn't always have to be financial. It, it one of the greatest commodities that that anyone can can share with an organization like this is time. Um, whether it's it's taking time to to wrap boxes or to put uh, letter uh, stamps on letters that are being that are being sent for an organization like just promoting promoting voting. It's it's all uh, it, it all helps and it's all it's you know it's. It's all for the community, and, and truly, community is something that we could all use a little bit more of. And so, I think it's it's really amazing. Every year, we get to talk about this award, and, and I think it's a great part of the podcast to bring it up uh, each each and every every day through the regular season. So, thanks, thanks, Greg, for that. Uh, and I think Russell has done a fantastic job, and I'm very excited to to see uh, what the rest of the players and nominees have done throughout next season. Yeah, and I, you know, we we spent time talking about people from last year and this year and players that we just saw that that did good things, and I just think it's really amazing that this award is is there. It just helps shed light on what these athletes are doing, and there are 32 NFL teams, and each team nominates one person to be up for this award, and there are 53 
men on the NFL roster. So just the the what Mike and I do each week is just pick one person from a team and just imagine all the other things that these players are doing um, that aren't being talked about and that aren't being highlighted, but their effect is being seen within their communities. And I think that's, I think that's just really awesome. Absolutely. Important, important work. So now let's move into talking about the Super Bowl. And before we actually get to the game, let's talk about two things that are super important when it comes to the Super Bowl. It's commercials true. and what type of food we had. Yep. So Mike, let's go ahead and start with what kind of spread did you have? So I was a curmudgeon on the Super Bowl day. I, I really wasn't all that excited for, for the game and I wasn't that interested in, in doing anything special. And so uh, Nayara actually took it upon herself to make a spread for us to enjoy uh, we had some some really great food. What did you make, sweetheart? We we made you, you made um, onion, French onion dip, uh, and chips. And then what did we what 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 did we have with that? And then we had a veggie platter with that. Um, it was great. It was it was it was great to watch watch the game and have a, a little bit of a uh, little bit of of a of an oh that's right. And we had pizza bagels, which were great. It was fantastic. It was fun. It wasn't too much. wasn't anything anything big, but it was enough for us. Uh, it was snowing here in Boston, so it was a lovely lovely day to watch the game. How about you? What did you guys do? Uh, I made the buffalo chicken ranch dip that you see out there all the time. That one I had growing up in Minnesota all the time. So I kind of kept that one going. I just, nice. I just love, I just love Buffalo Franks. I, their, their slogan really is the best. Like I put that blank on everything and that, that's how I feel. So. Yep. You really did in college too. I'll never, never forget the decent. <laughs> oh, take these bottles with us. Um, we also had pigs in the blanket. Nice. Um, or pigs in a blanket. I, I guess it's what it's called. God, what else did we have? We had, one more thing. Oh, Camille made Taco Bell's Crunch Wraps, like yeah. the Crunch Wrap Supremes or something. She made those homemade. Oh, yes. She yeah, she saw them on TikTok and we made them. Oh my god, dude. They were they were so freaking good. They were like oh amazing. Oh my goodness. And then she also made uh like a coconut cream dip. And we had that with pineapples and uh Nilla wafers and Exactly. bananas and strawberries it was really good so i think i found a new little go-to with with that coconut yeah. dip wow that sounds fantastic a sweet dip with nilla wafers incredible man and, and then with the pineapple it tasted like it was a pina colada so Oof. it was it was fantastic but yeah. man i love the spreads that people have when it comes yeah. to super bowls like it, since it was just the two of us we kept it pretty small but man i love going uh over to people's houses and there's like 15 different things for you for me to choose yeah. from so i missed absolutely. that this year yeah, absolutely i think we all we all missed that this year and i'm very much looking forward to being able to do that again someday soon yeah hopefully hopefully next year super bowl fingers crossed fingers crossed so mike were there any were there, were there any commercials that stood out to you this year whether uh they they got you emotionally or you you thought they were hilarious or that you just flat out hated um yeah, I mean, I thought there were there were a couple of good ones. I, I I really enjoy a lot of the car commercials. I thought the 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 Reddit fake you out part car commercials slash 
fake anonymous message thing was cool. Like, uh, you know, I thought that it was, it was enjoyable. I did think it was interesting that, that Budweiser was saying that they're, they weren't going to, and they didn't show an ad of the, the Budweiser horses. And instead they, they gave that spot to Bud Light. Um, and so I think that as they know, their audience is getting a little bit younger, they're transitioning to, to what they drink more. Um, and so it's just, it's interesting to see that kind of, that kind of change, but that, that was the only notes I took away from it. What about you? Any, any that you felt particularly strong, strongly about? Um, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to watch commercials, especially during the Super Bowl, with yeah. consumer lenses on and not my marketing hat, as I like same, to say. Same way. So uh, a couple different ones, but one that really stood out to me from just like a marketing standpoint that I thought was fantastic was the electric uh, Cadillac one with uh, oh, the, the GM one about uh, Norway. Well, there was that one. Yeah. But there was also the one with uh, Timothy Chalamet where he was Edward Scissorhands like junior. Oh. And it was just talking, it was just showing like how easy the touch buttons were in the car um, because, of, because <laughs> of his hand. So I thought that one was, I thought that one was like really good. And then obviously the one with Will Ferrell was hilarious, but yeah. um, man, there were, yeah, their commercials are pretty good. I really liked humor, humorous one. I yeah. loved the tide commercial from, uh, with George Costanza on it. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that one got me. And it's so funny. I, I told Camille, I was like two years ago, Tide to me had the best commercial where they really made you think that every single commercial was a Tide commercial. And I thought that was the best. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm allergic to Tide. So like, I can't yeah. even use it. But if I, if I wasn't, I'm like, wow, Tide, you really sold me with your commercials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I love it. Yeah, I did like the calls to unity though that they that that, that were prevalent throughout as well. Um, I think that's an important important step to note. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I I think that it's it's difficult to watch these without wearing your professional hat. Um, and so it was it, there's definitely more more criticism than than probably uh, celebration we do for these. But it, it, I think that it's 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 always great to touch on them. Yeah, what do you think about the halftime show? I wasn't a fan. It left me feeling meh. And you know, any particular I, I, reason? So I like the weekend, but it's just it felt like it was only two songs. It didn't feel like it was energetic. And I know he's like spent his own money to make it his own vision and stuff, but I wasn't quite tracking with it. And you know, maybe I missed something, but I I'm also not like somebody who keeps up with pop culture. For example, during the Super Bowl, I I said to Nayara, did he, you know, I I keep I keep seeing him with what looks like getting facial surgery. And I totally fell for the meme of the people who made his, his cheekbones huge. I was like, I can't believe he did that. It was, it was all fake, but that's how, how infrequently I follow that stuff. So for me, it, it didn't really do much. What about you? No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm kind of indifferent with the weekend. I think he has some good songs. Yeah. Um, I had to explain what the, what the reason was he was even doing that. I yeah, thought it was plastic surgery. No, Camille and I didn't know either. And then I saw a TikTok about it kind of explaining how it was just this like long thought out thing that he's been doing for months. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. But like, I mean, I didn't really know the backstory on it. So like, therefore, it left me just thinking during the whole performance. And then Camille mentioned during his last song, she was just like, you know, what would make this really good is if they broke out the TikTok dance for Blinded by the Light. And he didn't. And we, Camille and I both kind of just like, we're like, ah, he he left something on the table there. He definitely should have yeah. threw that in there kind of as a yeah. 
as a paid homage to that. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been fantastic. That would have been great. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it was safe after a year that we didn't think was going to happen. I'll take it. But I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, overall, I mean, commercials were pretty good. Halftime was was all right. That's what I would say. You know, which and that that right there is a perfect segue. So let's go ahead and get into it. Mike, you've talked about it for two weeks now about how you weren't super excited about the game. And it I delivered. It delivered. Exactly. So, you know, if, I guess all you can really ask for as a fan or a spectator during the Super Bowl is that you're just that the game is fun and competitive. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like you just you hear it all the time with people who don't have any say in the game they're just like you ask them like who do you think will win uh you know i don't really care i just want it to be competitive i want it to be an exciting game yeah and unfortunately sunday's game was neither one of those unless you were a bucks fan yeah absolutely and you know i i think my biggest takeaways from the game and we can talk about them and i'm sure you probably feel the same way and just as everyone else are you know the penalties played a factor in the game, but they weren't the determining reason why the chiefs lost. Um, The O-line injuries were just way too much and the reshuffling for the chiefs to overcome Mm -hmm. the bucks defense, in my opinion, won them the game and the playoff games and someone on the defense should have been named the MVP. Yep. And honestly, I'm just really, I talked with Camille about this after the game and um, it, it, it took a little bit of talking for me to, for me to finally get to this point because I was just excited that Tom Brady won again. But, you know, after talking with her, it's, it's just really true that the narrative around quarterbacks in the NFL is really exhausting and sometimes unfair. And I know that was a lot to throw at you. So like, well, I mean, we could do a whole episode on my thoughts on the quarterbacks and, and how they're represented and treated throughout the NFL. (laughs) And how unfair it is to certain quarterbacks, whatever. Oh my but God. let's go ahead and start with this one because I texted you Tuesday night or I texted you Sunday night right after the game because I wanted to mention this to you before it got out there anywhere. So it didn't seem like I like stole it from somewhere and I haven't seen it anywhere. And if I have, this was an original bot. I truly thought that this was the best Super Bowl run that I've seen from any team since the 2012 Ravens. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a fan, but that year the Ravens were a wild card team. I think we went what 10 and six that year, 11 and five, but just had momentum going into the playoffs. Yep. We beat Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and then Colin Kaepernick and the Niners in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And all of them were away or the first round was at home at home. That was Ray Lewis's last game. Yeah. So like that was, that was good, but the rest were all away. Mm -hmm. So like that was a very tough slate of games. And if Andrew Luck was still playing, I would say, honestly, three of the four quarterbacks that the Ravens beat that year were, were hall of fame quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I say the same this year minus. So like you take Kaepernick out of the equation, you take Alex Smith out of the equation this year for the Bucks. No, they beat Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Yep. All three future Hall of Famers. Yep. And the fact that they put up 30 points in every one of those games and the defense was incredible for all of those games. I know during the year it was just like a so-so team and 
so were the Ravens that year. They were a so-so team, but all of a sudden yeah. come the playoffs, they were just dominant. And it was just like, wow, this is who you thought this team would be just mm-hmm. on paper. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, that's why I think a lot of people coming into the game thought chiefs were going to win because the bucks were just so inconsistent, even though they played well during the playoffs, it was just like, yeah. Oh, okay. But like the chiefs are the chiefs. So I, it, it just also impresses me that the fact that the Bucks did this in a year with no preseason and almost no offseason, like they got they got Tom Brady and they made all the people some adjustments during the year. Yeah, um, hardly any time to gel together as a team. Yeah, and the fact that they were able to, to do it. And I, I understand the, the narrative and how people are sick of Tom Brady winning. I completely get it. Like, would it be nice to see someone else win in new teams? Yes, it would, it would, it would be nice, but then that that goes right back to my question that I asked last week in the podcast. Like if someone is the best and they keep winning, I mean, I, I don't know. It's really tough. Like, yes, you want to see someone new win, but I, I don't know, man, it's, it's hard. The chiefs, in my opinion, were the better team if they were healthy and played, but I just think that there's all there's always those what ifs like okay well what if the Chiefs were fully healthy I don't know that's a completely different game would would the Bucks D line still have dominated them the same exact way I I have no idea and you can play those what ifs all you want like what if the penalties weren't called on the Chiefs um, like they were I'm just I I don't know probably was a different game but at the same time what if the Chiefs just played disciplined defense and didn't re- yeah. result on grabbing and you know, so there's a million what ifs and uh, yeah, fortunately slash unfortunately, depending on what side you're on, the Bucks had a very dominating but um, not so eventful win Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an excellent recap. Um, yeah. The only thing I'll, I'll add to that is, is that, you know, I, I'm happy for Brady. I think that's a great story. I think, you know, he, he, he and Grant kind of, even like they'll come back and play and whatever, like that it doesn't matter. Like they <laughs> Gronk came out of mothballs basically. And they just did the whole new England thing again, just cause it was fun again. It's just, it's crazy. It's such a great story. I'm excited. I can't wait for the uh, NFL films. It's going to be a, going to be incredible, but no, truly good for them. In, incredible story. Um, and the chiefs, I think, you know, I, uh, I think the AFC is going to be a lot more competitive for years to come. And I, I I'm excited to see how, how all those teams grow and, uh, I think the Brady is is uh, I think I think they're going to be a, a whole whole lot of difficult to handle next year too. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and so let let's just talk about that for a second because what you just said is is exactly how I felt after the game where Camille asked what I thought about it. And I was like, oh well, I'm I'm glad the Bucks won for Brady, and you know she was just like why does the game focus around quarterbacks so much where, you know, if you would have said, Oh, you're happy that all these other people won their first super bowl and, and all that stuff like, and okay. Yeah. Like it's cool that Brady won again. Um, but the sole fact that I wanted the bucks to win was because of Brady when he already has all these championships. Um, you know, like she, she stumped me. Like I, I couldn't answer in, I, I just as I am right now, I was kind of tongue tied because I'm like, I feel the same way about Brady as I do with LeBron where I'm like, I'm okay if they win 
the championship every year until they retire. Because in my opinion, I really like them. So like, I want to see them succeed and I want to see them win. But with football more than anything, it is just, and I know you said we can spend a whole episode talking about this, but I just want to, I just want to talk about this right now because yeah, of course. I don't think that Brady deserved to win the MVP of the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. because it's hard to pinpoint one person on the defense and no one offensively was the complete standout. It's almost like an unwritten rule that you give it. He could have Fournette had a chance of winning. He had over a hundred all purpose yards, but it's kind of, I feel like it's unwritten rule that it's like if a team is winning and there's no obvious standout, you give it to the quarterback. And I also think that it's, I think they vote for the, MVP in like the third quarter like they have to have all their votes in in the third quarter I think it's a really flawed screwed up system but I just Brady didn't play he played it he played a good game but the defense played lights out and I think the award could have gone to Levante David or Devin White like the Devin White had like 12 tackles you know I think he had a sack he had an interception Yeah. So to me, it was like, it's so easy to give it to someone on the defense with that performance. Yeah. But because of the narrative, Brady in his first year and everything going around Brady and everything he's done. And it, it's amazing. He's got an amazing career, but like, no offense, he doesn't need another award. Like, right. I think he got it mainly because of his name being Brady. And that's, that's no shot. I, I, I love Tom Brady, but yeah. he, in my opinion, I just don't think he really deserved that award. Yeah, and I think you bring up a very good point. I think that that the the bias uh, falls fall, falls to, to quarterbacks a lot, and and I think that it almost makes you want to kind of walk back what I was what I was saying because we were over here praising Brady and all this stuff because and rightfully so, but it's true, you know. And I I do want the 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 same recognition and and, and amazingness to go to these players. And when JP texted us today saying Lashawn McCoy has two Super Bowl rings for and, and hasn't played it down in them, and that's incredible. And there are so many other narratives and storylines that I think we get we get bogged down in the Brady one. You know, I mean, living in New England and and you being a Michigan and Brady fan, and I think it's 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 it would be wrong of us to uh, to take that away from the other players who who have now uh, won a ring. Antoine Winfield winning a ring as a, as a rookie, incredible uh, race uh, starting as a rookie, incredible. Um, all, all these storylines, fan, fantastic. But I, I really think that that uh the 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 way to sum it up would be to your point i don't think braid is or the mvp either and i think that it should have gone so someone on the defense yeah and you know it'd be another thing that was just awesome about the bucks winning is just you you've seen it talked about a little bit but the coaching staff there are four black coaches on the the coaching staff there are two women on the coaching staff so like the fact that arians was was willing to hire minorities and put them in, you know, uh, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, assistant head coach roles, special team coordinators has a woman as a strength coach. And I think as a defensive line coach, like the defensive line won them the game, Mm -hmm. the, the defensive coordinator called such a basic, but amazing game. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's, there's all this stuff out there about, you know, how and why, minority coaches aren't getting looked at and keep getting passed over. And it was, it's so amazing to see that on the biggest stage, these coaches are pretty much dominated. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I know. He's been a long way from being shocked that that seeing Levy Smith um, and Tony Dudgy in the same Super Bowl in the same Super Bowl was was an iconic moment for African Americans in the sport. Um, so I'm. It's nice to. It is truly nice to see. Still waiting for more head coaches, though. Just just saying. Hopefully, one day it we'll we'll see more, and it will be more than what. Steve Wilkes got in Arizona where it was just one and done uh, because you see this new shiny college coach that you want to bring in. So, yep. But that will be another one that we'll save for the off season. But, but that storyline right there that I was just talking about of the coaches is another reason. And I, like I said, I understand it's Tom Brady, but that coaching staff and what they were able to do in such a short time and, and what they were able to do throughout the year with the players completely obviously got overshadowed by Tom Brady. But once again, that's because of such yeah. the role that quarterbacks play in the NFL. And uh, I don't know, it, it, it really does get exhausting to hear about and talk about. And, uh, but, but let me, let me, let me throw it like this too. As much talk as quarterbacks get for their team, you had on the other side, one of the, best he is the best if not the second best quarterback in the nfl in patrick mahomes but because he had such a terrible offensive line he could not do anything so because the big uglies don't get any love and they're in the trenches it's not a sexy position um you know that just shows how important all 11 people are on the field and football. And that's why I love the game so much. It's, it's kind of like drumline one band, one sound. If one person yeah. on the offensive line screws up, you have Devin white, Devin white and Vita Vea in Patrick Mahomes' face all game. So yeah. it, they, the uh, offense line is truly the unsung heroes. And uh, we're going to play a little piece for cam um, following cam, uh, Mike and I talking here. And we just, I, I reached out to Cam today and I just asked him like, Hey man, for our last podcast, because your team won, do you want to come on or do you want to have a little, a little piece kind of like a, a PTI, you know, a good five minutes or the around the horn, you know, a 30 second FaceTime. So I told Cam he can have as much time as he wanted because, because his team won. So here, here's that piece from Cam. I want to start on March 17th of 2020 as our country was diving into the lockdown due to COVID-19, I can remember uh, staring at my TV and seeing the breaking news come across SportsCenter that Tom Brady was signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Felt like a little kid jumped up on my couch, started pounding my fist on the couch uh, for the sheer joy that our team might have a chance this year. Uh, even even with that joy, I could have never imagined that almost a year later I would be sitting here watching that team hoist the Lombardi Trophy on their home field as Super Bowl champions. Um, just an incredible feeling, and it, words can't really describe what that feeling was like. Um, talking about the actual game, going into that game, um, you know, I definitely thought thought it was going to be a close game, and what I saw was one team coming out hungry and one team that looked completely overmatched in almost every aspect of the game. Never could have predicted uh, that outcome and that blowout. If someone had told me it would have been a blowout, absolutely would have thought that it would be a blowout the other way. 
Um, I was absolutely shocked by what seemed to be the Chiefs' inability to adapt and change their game plan throughout the, the course of the game. It seemed like they were very content with just going back to the same well all game, even though uh, that well had seemed to run dry. So um, give all the all the credit to the Bucks coaching staff, the players. It just seemed to uh, outmatch the Chiefs in, in every aspect. Uh, as I mentioned last week to you guys, to me, this this is the payoff and why we're fans of teams. You know, we get so invested in the teams through our emotions, our time watching the games, financially invested with buying merchandise, tickets, anything about anything financial like that. And this is just the ultimate payoff. I still kind of at a loss for words. Can't believe that it happened. But I know that watching that game, watching that night is something that I will absolutely never forget. Uh, it's just an amazing feeling. And just wanted to, to touch on two, two things that I think are getting overlooked. Um, in the game itself, I want to touch on our offensive line. You know, playing offensive line in high school, the, the big guys always seem to be overlooked. And I've heard people talk how, you know, Tom Brady had the protection, but... Uh, gonna read out their names. So left tackle Donovan Smith, left guard Ali Marpet, center Ryan Jensen, right guard Aaron Stinney, and right tackle so rookie Tristan Wirfs. These guys were amazing all season, and just gotta show love to the big guys up front who kept Tom Brady clean, and he really didn't have to do much besides step back and toss the ball. So um, props to them. Gotta love the big guys. And then just wanted to talk about the Bucks organization in general. And not so much about the game, but I think the game is the culmination of a team really going all in. You hear some of these teams talk about that they want to go all in. I think the Bucks just kind of set a standard. And granted, you don't have a Tom Brady out there as a free agent every year. But this team was committed to doing whatever it took to try and get to and win a Super Bowl. They knew that they were close and they might have been a few pieces away and they went out and got those pieces. Grand, I don't know where that's going to lead in the next few years. We have a lot of free agents. Brady's obviously getting up there. But to me, this was this is the prototype of what teams are trying to do with some of these blockbuster trades of we're ready to win now. What can we do to win now? Um, so again, overall, you know, I think to me as a Bucks fan, the game was obviously great. I can see as a casual observer, um, I've been told this game was actually kind of boring, which I don't I don't understand, obviously, being a Bucks fan, but th- this has just been a huge payoff for the years of watching a team that's been irrelevant over and over and over again. Um, and finally, this was our year. So don't really have much more to say. It's an awesome game, awesome night, still recovering, but it's all worth it. So, Mike, what 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 do you think about what Cam had to say? Man, I'm just happy for him. I think that's a, it's just yay, yay, Cam. <laughs> I feel like it took so much of you to say that. <laughs> Why? It's because it just it just seemed like a struggle for you to be like, hey, it, uh, good for you, Cam. Just well, because was, I'm sorry, but it it, it yeah. just goes on to how you felt the whole two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. And I'm just like, even after the Super Bowl, you're still just like, yeah, good for the Bucks. 
Yeah, but like I'm, ha- I'm happy for Cam. I'm so happy for him. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just right. fun. Yeah. Bucks played well. Bucks, Bucks played excellent. I, I I'm excited to kind of you know again. I'm excited to watch like the NFL videos and all that stuff on it. I just watching it live was just kind of a meh experience. Yeah. Before we wrap this up and yep. uh, wrap this season up, I I've, I've got to ask. I saw this out there today. And I just want to hear your thoughts on this. Sure. What does that loss, if anything, what does it mean for the Chiefs? Is is this the end of the Chiefs' dominance? Uh, is this going to have a huge, uh, I guess, smudge or black mark on the, I don't know, career, I guess, of Patrick Mahomes? So what do you think? Brady's won and lost Super Bowls. It it, it doesn't matter. It's It's tough enough to get there. So, you know, I, I guess I, I don't buy into that. Well, it will, it'll be interesting to see how they develop and what they do this off season. I think I'd be more comfortable commenting on what they, what they look like and what kind of personnel moves and all that stuff a little bit closer to the end of the season. But I don't think this was all that much of a setback. I think it's disappointing. Yeah. For chiefs fans. I think it's disappointing. Sure. For those of us who, who believe in ASC dominance, but um, you know, I, I think that it, it this is just, uh, setback for them, but not not anything to be concerned about. If if it became a uh, <clears throat> a theme of several in a row, or 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 several pretty ugly uh, playoff losses, then then it would become concerning. Um, going on on year year three of that, if that makes sense. When I hear people talk about the end of the Chiefs' dominance, or, or how thinking. this is a lot of it. Yeah, and so, I, young, so young. I I cannot stress enough how I really do feel that the fact that they were missing two or three offensive linemen completely changed this game. And who knows what this, like I said, it's a big what if, but who knows what this game would have looked like if they were healthy. But with that being said, and I agree with you, it's, it's hard to say what they're going to look like next year or going forward because they're pretty tight on their cap space. I think I heard Bucky Brooks say today that they have the seventh highest cap space or oh, wow. least amount of cap space, but their pieces are all there. I mean, the enemy's not going anywhere unless he surprisingly gets a head coaching job during the off season. So as far as I know, they're returning everyone going into next year. So Patrick Mahomes, although he has has had foot surgery or is having foot surgery this week, I I truly do think that they'll be fine. They have such a good core. the The coaches are are brilliant. Um, They need to. Ownership's pretty good too. What was that? That ownership's pretty decent too. Yeah, and they do they do a really good job drafting. So I think they just need to figure out some things defensively, and because it's really hard to have a, gr- a really good defense when you have an amazing offense. And, you know, I think I know deserves a lot of credit because I think that he's a great defensive coordinator and was able to cover up a lot of the flaws that are on that defense. And they made some really great draft picks this last year, but I think you're right. I think the defense is still the most suspect part of the, of that. And I think even Willie Gay, not, not being in the game, which I think is, I think was the rookie they took this year, the, the linebacker, right? Uh, at A&M, was it? I'm not sure. Maybe I, anyway, they, they were missing some key pieces there too. And I just think that they, again, uh, but it's tough to draft good defensive players that I guess it comes into draft valuation. If you keep drafting in, in, in that part of the, 
of the lineup year after year for being so good. But it's a different story as we get close to the draft season. Yeah. Well, that is a wrap on this episode and this season. So thank you everyone for listening. Mike, go ahead and send us away for the final time. Thank you all so much. And, and we really do appreciate it. Uh, follow us on social media, leave us a, a like and a review. And as I said, this, this means so much to us and your reviews mean a lot to us and we love reading them. And we look forward to announcing our next episode on social media. Thank you so much. And Stay safe. See you in the off season. Peace.